A recent survey found that 45% of Americans believe in ghosts, or that people's spirits might reappear in specific locations and situations. And when you account for those who either chose not to participate in the survey, or who did not want to acknowledge their belief, the actual figure is certainly far higher. The truth is that a lot of people have had unexplainable experiences or have seen or experienced eerie, mysterious things that could only be paranormal. Because of the way the human brain is designed, we have a natural need to understand how and why things happen. And the only logical explanation for enigmatic, unexplained events is frequently the existence of a supernatural element. Many people hold the views that humans have lived previous lives and that there is life after death. In actuality, many civilizations and religions share this viewpoint. Many people find solace in this idea when they lose a loved one or are reminded of their own death. Therefore, it stands to reason that there are ghosts still roaming the earth for people who believe in the hereafter. Believing that there are ghosts lurking around is just thrilling, just like people are lured to scary movies and terrible roller coasters. Ghost hunters will tell you that they not only take the existence of ghosts seriously, but also do not perceive them as malicious spirits out to do you harm. Contrarily, ghost hunters think that ghosts are merely lost souls who are looking for closure, or who are trapped and are attempting to enter the hereafter. What else might account for unexpected cold patches, inaudible footsteps and voices, floaty orbs and pictures, and the sense that someone is caressing your shoulder even when no one is around? Welcome to Destination Terror, your passport to the scariest places in the world. From haunted hotels to locations of unexplained creature sightings, we will travel to places that will provide excitement, adventure, and horror. Today we are discussing the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. A hotel and spa with a history of tales of paranormal experiences that number in the hundreds. So if you are into travel and all things scary, listen close and you might just discover your next exciting adventure destination. But hopefully not your final destination. Destination Terror is an EerieCast original podcast hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to send us a suggestion or submit a story with your own experience, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. If you enjoy the show, please follow and rate Destination Terror on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. Also, check out EerieCast.com for more scary podcasts such as Tales from the Break Room, featuring allegedly true and terrifying stories that happened on the job. I didn't want to work in a scary haunted hotel, but my mom made me. I was 19. I had never had a job and didn't care to get one. I wanted to be a YouTuber. I had been working on my channel since my junior high year in high school, and I knew it would eventually pay off. I had this great plan. I was going to make it big on YouTube by the time I was 20, and then buy my own car and house. I was good at gaming, and my number of subscribers was really beginning to grow. I knew if I had to work, I wouldn't have as much time to put into my channel. But when your mom drives you to a homeless shelter and tells you to get out or get a job, what choice do you have? So I promised to get a job, but even that wasn't good enough. 
She signed me up for Indeed, Snagajob, and ZipRecruiter. I never filled out one application. I didn't have to because she did it for me. She was very determined. It wasn't 24 hours after she opened those accounts and started applying that the Crescent Hotel called and set me up a job interview. And wouldn't you know it, they hired me. I was the new food runner. I had no idea how it was going to change my life. I didn't hate the job. I'm not lazy, not really. I just had other plans. The job was pretty simple. I delivered orders from the Sky Bar and from the Crystal Dining Room to the guest rooms. Most days I brought home a nice chunk in tips. I was really starting to like my job when they decided to train me on the front desk. I was excited because it would mean a raise if I ever got to do it full time. I knew the hotel's reputation for being haunted. I grew up in Eureka Springs. I had heard the stories my whole life. I was not a skeptic either. I was a true believer. That's why I avoided the morgue as much as possible. So far, there had never been a reason for me to go down there. I had never been inside any of the rooms either, not at this point. If you don't know, the hotel used to be a hospital. That's why it has a morgue. The doctor, Norman Baker, who ran the place, was said to be crazy. And it's believed that he and his two Rottweilers are among the ghosts that haunt the old hotel. I trained at the front desk for three days, checking in guests and answering the phone. As soon as my training was over, Fred, the usual front desk man, took a week's vacation. If I remember right, that is why they trained me in the first place. I had been working days to cover Fred's shift. At the end of the second day, the evening shift lady called in sick. I had to stick around and work her shift too. I'd never spent much time in the hotel after dark, and I can tell you that it got a lot creepier than usual. The ghost tours were keeping the place hopping, and the bar was busy. I knew this because of the phone calls I received that were meant for the bar. Around 11 p.m., things began to quiet down, and I was finally able to relax, until the phone rang. I picked it up. It was one of the guest rooms. I answered and said, Crescent Hotel, front desk, how can I help you? It was silent for a moment, and I said hello a couple of more times before a god-awful sound came through the phone. It sounded like static interference, but through it I could hear someone crying. I hung up thinking there was either something wrong with the connection or someone was trying to pull a prank. I leaned back in my chair and was watching the big fat hotel cat, Jasper, laying by the fireplace in the center of the lobby, when the phone rang again. I jumped at the sound, then quickly answered it with the same greeting as before. This time there was whispering. It sounded like a crowd of people speaking in a whispered tone all at once. This time I was getting a little freaked out. I hung the phone up quick and looked around to see if anyone noticed my reaction, but no one was in the lobby except for me and Jasper. Seconds later the phone rang again. It was the same room calling, but this time the lights in the hotel flickered and went out. The phone kept ringing. While the hotel was completely dark, except for the fire in the fireplace. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. 
June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. There are many legendary haunted hotels in the US, but in Arkansas, there is one that stands out above the rest, and I've had the privilege to stay there several times. The historic 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa is perched atop West Mountain, overlooking the Victorian-era community of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. The 78-room resort hotel is famed for being one of the most distinctive and historic locations in America, as well as for the numerous ghosts that are supposed to still roam these opulent grounds. The Crescent Hotel and Spa was built in 1886, and since then there have been countless reports of unexplained occurrences there. It's hardly shocking given its past. The hotel has functioned as a girls' college and a cancer hospital, in addition to being a well-liked mountainside resort, where Dr. Norman Baker claimed to have the cure for cancer. An abundance of exceptional events has always drawn the interest of paranormal investigators, who have been to the site to examine and research the hotel's unexplained activity. It has been dubbed America's most haunted hotel by programs like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. The hotel was constructed by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad, and it was designed by renowned Missourian architect Isaac L. Taylor, who also created a number of well-known structures in St. Louis. A spectacular position with a view of the valley may be found on 27 acres at the northern tip of West Mountain. It was a significant period in Eureka Springs history since the Ozark Mountains healing waters were now well known throughout the country. People from near and far flocked to the area in the hopes of finding relief from their ills and sufferings. By creating the most opulent resort in the nation, the Crescent Hotel and spa developers intended to profit from all of these tourists. In order to capitalize on this lucrative time, Powell Clayton, the former governor of Arkansas from 1868 to 1870, established the Eureka Springs Improvement Company. The Frisco Railroad, along with a number of other investors, jumped on board with the scheme because they anticipated more commerce from the resort. The building was started in 1884 with the importation of numerous stonemasons from Ireland. Special wagons were built to transport the enormous slabs of stone from the quarry site on the White River due to the density of the magnesium limestone used to create the hotel. Masons constructed the 18-inch walls, many towers, overhanging balconies, and a massive stone fireplace in the lobby, all of which were designed in a variety of architectural styles. As work on the hotel's electrical lighting, contemporary plumbing, steam heating, elevator, 
vast landscaping, and opulent accents and amenities continued over the course of the following two years. An increasing number of workers were hired. The final construction cost of the hotel was $294,000, which was a wildly lavish sum at the time. The impressive Crescent Hotel debuted on May 20, 1886, to much excitement. It was referred to as America's most luxurious resort hotel by the Eureka Springs Times Echo. And its grand opening, which featured a gala ball with a full orchestra and banquet meal for 400 guests, notables from all over the nation were present. The luxury of the hotel was unmatched at the time, offering spacious airy rooms with exquisite furnishings, a dining room that once accommodated more than 500 people, and exterior amenities like a swimming pool, tennis courts, and croquet, all set amid a gorgeous landscape of flower gardens, winding boardwalks, and gazebos. The affluent of the country immediately started to swarm to the opulent vacation hotel, as liveried footmen received them at the Frisco Terminal and drove them to the inn. Once there, the visitor could take advantage of the spa's therapeutic waters, as well as a stable of 100 horses with smooth coats, afternoon tea dances, and lavish parties every night, complete with a full house orchestra. The prosperity, though, was short-lived. People started to understand that the renowned Hilling Waters didn't actually have the restorative properties that the hotel and the city were so well known for after the turn of the century. People began to gradually stop visiting the lovely resort. The structure housed the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women from 1908 until 1924, yet it was still used as a resort in the summertime. However, after 16 years of operation, the women's college had to close since the income for tuition and summer visitors was insufficient to cover the costs of maintaining the massive structure. From 1930 to 1934, it briefly reopened as a junior college, after being vacant for the previous six years. When Norman Baker arrived on the scene in 1937, he bought the dilapidated hotel and converted it into a cancer hospital and wellness retreat. The Baker Hospital claimed that its patients would leave the resort cancer-free by offering miraculous treatments that didn't involve surgery or uncomfortable time-consuming exams. The numerous needy patients who rushed to the facility were unaware that Norman Baker had been preying on gullible individuals for years, calling his miracle nothing more than a con. The man had been found guilty of practicing medicine without a license in Iowa in 1936 despite having zero medical training. Additionally, the American Medical Association had denounced the numerous elixirs marketed for a variety of illnesses, including cancer. Federal investigators were looking into Baker as he ran the hospital, and he was finally arrested for mail fraud in 1939. According to one U.S. Postal Inspector, Baker made as much as 500,000 per year while living in Eureka Springs by mailing out his wonder elixirs. After being found guilty, Baker was sentenced to four years in Leavenworth. The investigation found that Baker had scammed cancer patients out of almost $4 million over the years. Although no one died as a result of Baker's cure, the study revealed that his methods probably accelerated cancer patients' demise when they didn't obtain effective therapies. After being released from Leavenworth in 1944, Baker relocated to Florida and lived happily there until his death in 1958. 
The lovely structure once more stood vacant from 1940 to 1946 due to the war. Four Chicago businessmen, who had bought the hotel in 1946, started the process of bringing the historic establishment back to its previous splendor. The hotel started to prosper once more, though never to the same extent as its early opulent years in the late 1800s. Sadly, catastrophe struck in 1967, when a fire engulfed the fourth level of the South Wing, largely destroying it. The hotel changed ownership several times over the ensuing years, as repairs and more restorations were done, but it was never quite brought back to its former splendor. All of this was altered, though, in 1997 when Marty and Elise Roenick bought the old inn. The pair said in May 1997 that they pledged to have this grand old lady of the Ozarks back to where she was 100 years ago, within five years. However, the people of the Ozarks were dubious because they had already heard these promises too often. The Ronicks started constructing the spas again in 1997. A 6,500-square-foot new moon spa with Vichy showers, a hydrotherapy tub, sauna, massage and treatment tables, tanning beds and workout equipment debuted that first year. The hotel's skyline had been destroyed in the 1967 fire, therefore the next big effort was to rebuild it. The 3,500-square-foot penthouse, the original central observation tower, and the 200-pound, 20-foot-four-tall crescent moon weather vane were all restored for well over a million dollars. The guest rooms, lounges, electrical and plumbing systems, as well as the landscape, were all undergoing restorations at the same time. On September 6, 2002, Roenick's audacious declaration came to pass. The historic hotel had undergone $5 million worth of renovations to fully restore it to its formal regal splendor. One of the most popular hotels in the South today is the Crescent Hotel. It's regarded as one of the most haunted locations in the Ozarks due to its lengthy and vast history. Both employees and visitors have stories to share about several spirits who are allegedly still present at the ancient hotel. The team has given the red-haired Irish stonemason they most frequently saw the name Michael. Michael allegedly served as one of the first masons who built the hotel in 1885. But as he was working on the roof, he lost his balance, plummeted to the region of the second level, and died. The hotel's room 218, which is thought to be the most haunted guest room, now sits in this location. Michael is a mischievous spirit that frequently makes loud banging noises on the walls and likes to play tricks with the lights, doors, and TVs. Others have heard cries that sounded like a man was falling through the ceiling and seen hands emerge from the bathroom mirror. Still, more visitors have reported being shaken during the night, and once a tourist claimed to have seen blood smeared on the room's walls as they fled, screaming. The ghost of a nurse in all white, who once pushed a gurney on the third floor of the former Baker's Cancer Hospital, can still be seen there. The ghostly spirit can only be seen after 11 p.m., when they used to take the deceased out of the cancer hospital. When she reaches the end of the hallway, the ghostly spirit disappears. Others who have not seen the ghost have heard noises that resemble a gurney rolling down the hallway, including squeaks and rattles. This space served as a morgue in the 1930s, 
and it still has Dr. Baker's ancient autopsy table and walk-in freezer. The hotel maintenance man once saw all the washers and dryers mysteriously turning on by themselves in the middle of the night, in the laundry room, which is also on the third level. The greedy Dr. Baker ghost has also been spotted at the bottom of the first floor stairwell and in the former recreation room in the basement. The ghost resembles historic images of the infamous quack, wearing a purple shirt and white linen suit and seeming a little bewildered. The old switchboard was still in use for a while in the hotel, but was eventually abandoned after it kept receiving calls from the otherwise empty basement. Here in the basement, Dr. Baker's unfortunate victims frequently believed in his miraculous treatments and gave him their life savings as a payment for therapy. A ghostly woman who goes by the name of Theodora is another reminder of these bygone hospital days. Theodora, who is frequently observed by housekeepers in room 419, politely introduces herself as a cancer sufferer before disappearing without a trace. A man in traditional Victorian attire, complete with a top hat, has frequently been seen in the lobby, sitting at the bar, and standing at the bottom of the stairs. Many have said that they can draw him into discussion because of his distinguished appearance, which includes a mustache and beard. But before he abruptly vanishes, he sits motionless and never speaks. Another area of the hotel rumored to be home to frequent paranormal activity is the Crystal Dining Room. Other ghosts dressed in Victorian attire have frequently been seen in this area. Many people have witnessed groups of 1890s dancers whirling around the room in full costume in the early morning hours. According to some reports, a man from the 19th century has been spotted sitting at a table close to the windows. When approached, he will tell you that he saw the most gorgeous woman there last night and is waiting for her return. A former waitress claimed to have seen a Victorian bride and groom in the large mirror in the dining room. Before the couple vanished, the bride's husband is said to have made eye contact with her. It's reported that the Victorian ghosts that linger in the dining room are especially playful. The Christmas tree that is set up during the holidays was once discovered inexplicably transported to the other side of the room during the holiday season. All of the seats had also been turned around or faced the transported tree. On another occasion, the dining room was in immaculate order when the crew arrived in the morning, but there were menus all over the place. In the kitchen off the dining room, a ghostly young boy has been seen bouncing around, and occasionally pots and pans are rumored to fly off the hooks on their own. A young woman who previously attended the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women which was open from 1908 until 1924, is another ghost that is frequently claimed to be seen. The story goes that the young girl was either pushed or jumped to her death from a balcony. Today, visitors claim to have heard her scream as she fell. Rooms 202 and 424 have also reported seeing ghostly apparitions, along with a server bringing a tray of butter in the corridors. The hotel welcomes thrill-seekers interested in the paranormal throughout the year. The annual tour will be taken by more than 35,000 of these paranormal investigators. This curiosity has inspired a sizable community of paranormal enthusiasts, many of whom take part in the Facebook page called The Crescent Hotel Ghost Tours. Thousands of images and paranormal encounters that people had while staying at the hotel have been posted by more than 5,000 members from all around the nation. 
When it comes to family-friendly options and great summer getaways, look no further than the Crescent Hotel and Spa. Customers can encounter the guests who checked out but never left. On the Crescent's nightly ghost tours, parents appreciate the stories and children adore the thrills. Their kids' ghost tour, designed specifically for children ages 5 to 12, will be a big hit with the kids. The expert and expanded offering will appeal to experienced ghost hunters. Delectable home-cooked Italian cuisine is served at the La Cena in the Crystal Dining Room. Everyone is treated like a member of the family there, and the large tables and shareable entrees will make you feel at home. Or, on the fourth story, Sky Bar Gourmet Pizza offers its visitors stunning vistas and lavish setting. In addition to gourmet pizzas with their distinctive crust, wings, and salads, the Sky Bar menu is famed for the nearly world-famous Crescent Calazone. Mountain biking and hiking with the Crescent's front door trailhead, visitors can quickly assess a system of off-road paths by donning their hiking boots or inflating their mountain bike tires. Numerous water areas, both large and small, are in and around Eureka Springs and are just a short distance from the hotel. Kayak, canoe, fish, and swim. Lake Leatherwood City Park and Black Bass Lake both offer opportunities for hiking, fishing, and kayaking. Beaver Lake and Table Rock Lake are close by Eureka Springs for people seeking huge water. Starkey Marina is located on Beaver Lake, less than 10 miles west of the city center. Eight miles to the north at Holiday Island Marina is Table Rock Lake. The ideal location is there. Play games like baca ball, cornhole, horseshoes, gigantic chess or checkers, Jenga, or axe throwing with your family or friends, or simply unwind on the Frisco outdoor swings while taking in an outdoor concert series, refreshments, and snacks. With a trip to the New Moon Spa, you can control how your mind and body are connected. The spa offers a variety of massages, facials, and body treatments, as well as other full-body self-care alternatives. Yoga on the spa lawn, a tanning session, a ride on the Peloton bike, their infrared sauna, or a bath in the outdoor hot tub can be added to the experience. Is the hotel truly eerily quiet? Many people think it is, and many believe it's America's most haunted hotel. There is only one surefire way to know. Stay at the Crescent Hotel to become a part of the paranormal research community. You won't be let down. Whether you go to the famous Crescent Hotel to get a glimpse of one of its numerous ghosts or just to take in its rich history and opulent rooms, the hotel has been completely rebuilt and it now offers all the conveniences that a modern tourist needs while yet creating an atmosphere that has stood the test of time. The lights were only out for a minute before the generator kicked on and everything lit back up. When I looked over for Jasper, he was gone. He must have gotten spooked too. It had begun to storm outside, probably the reason the power went out, and it only added to the spooky atmosphere. I was trying to reboot the computer when the phone rang again. I was hesitant to answer, but I did because that was my job, and on the other end was a voice that I can only describe as sounding like the demon from the Grudge movie. 
It was a constant horrific moan. I swear, I almost pissed myself right there. I hung up the phone again, and about that time the lady, Doris, who worked the next shift, walked in the door. She was in her 30s and had worked there for some years. I had never felt so relieved in my life. I told her everything that happened and she laughed a little. She then explained to me that similar things had happened to her before while working the overnight shift. Hey, she said. Her eyes lit up like she had some bright idea. Now that I'm here, why don't you go up to the room the calls are coming from and check it out? I wanted to refuse, but I didn't want to look like a coward. So I said, Okay, I will. I grabbed the keys to the room, 419. It was on the top floor. You do remember the ghost which is said to haunt that room, right? Doris asked me. No, which one? I asked back. It's Theodora. She was a cancer patient back when the place was a hospital. She's usually a peaceful spirit, so you should be fine. I nodded and was glad she couldn't see the goosebumps popping up under my long sleeves. I then turned and headed towards the elevator. Now, it would have been quicker, but I took one look at that elevator and realized that I didn't want to be stuck in that small space if a ghost showed up. So I took the stairs instead. By the time I reached the fourth floor, I was winded. The hallway was empty and quiet as I made my way to room 419. I was shaking by the time I tried to slide the keycard into the slot. So it took several tries, but I finally got it. I stuck the card in my back pocket and pulled out my phone before entering the room. I left the door open in case I needed to make a quick exit. The room was frigid, as if I'd stepped into a walk-in freezer. The shaking in my hands turned into shivers that racked my body as I felt for the light switch. The lights came on and illuminated the whole room, but as I made my way around the bed and towards the balcony doors, the lights went out, and at the same time the door slammed shut. I was thoroughly freaking out by that point, and I tripped over something trying to make my way back to the door and slung my phone across the dark room. It ricocheted off the wall and began flashing and snapping pictures. I was trying to get up and get to my phone when I felt icy cold fingers wrap around my ankle, just above my sock, where my pants had slipped up. I could hear that moaning sound begin again, and it felt like someone was crawling up my back, pinning me to the floor. I began screaming, clawing, and kicking my way across the floor. At some point, my ankle was freed from the icy grip, and the weight lifted from my back. I grabbed my phone and scrambled out the door into the hallway, where I stumbled and fell again. Several doors to other rooms began to open, and people were looking out trying to see what all the ruckus was. I stood up, straightened my clothes, and apologized. I tried to laugh it off, but I guarantee you I was white as a sheet. I couldn't get back downstairs fast enough. Doris took one look at me and knew that I had experienced something. I told her everything and she insisted on looking at my ankle. I don't know if she was looking for proof, but she got it. There was a pale pink handprint wrapped around my entire ankle. She then asked if she could take a picture, and I agreed, then grabbed my phone and asked her to take one for me too. When she turned my phone on, she gasped, and her eyes got huge, 
as she stared at the screen. What is it? Oh God, is it broken? It hit the wall pretty hard, I explained. She didn't speak. She just shook her head and handed my phone over to me so I could take a look. The phone hadn't broken when it hit the wall. It had turned on burst mode and had taken about 30 pictures of the room. I saw immediately what had made her gasp. In almost every picture was a woman's face. Her skin was gray and her eyes were black. I couldn't see how she was dressed because it only caught her face, but it looked like she was staring right into the camera. I quit that job and my mom almost kicked me out, but luckily I landed another job pretty quick. I don't have that job anymore either though. I took the pictures from my phone and my story and made a YouTube video about that night. It went viral and I started a channel about true horror stories. I made it. I am now a very successful YouTuber. Thank you for joining us to explore the Haunted Crescent Hotel and some of its ghostly history. Tune in next week as we discuss another terrific location. I'm Carmen Carrion. Remember, you can send me suggestions and stories of haunted places to my email, carmencarrion at gmail.com, or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. Be sure to check out eeriecast.com for more terrifying podcasts. Until next time, stay safe out there until I see you at our next destination.